Carnival in 1493, Nicholas opened the chest which stood at the foot of the bed to find his best clothes. The hose lay just on the top. They were made of cloth cut on the cross, so that they fitted his legs neatly. They were tied by laces called points to his overshirt, a little short jerkin worn for the sole purpose of holding up the hose. Hose once on, he pulled out a doublet of russet cloth with a row of silver buttons down the front a pair of shoes in soft scarlet leather, fringed with leather tops, and finally a coat of dark red camlet with loose-hanging sleeves. It would hide the fact that his doublet was too small. A new outfit was being made for him, and never before had there been such a fuss about it. A tailor even came all the way from Oxford to measure him. He was combing his hair when he heard the clatter of horses' hooves in the road below. Cautiously he peeped down. The two Lombards were in an act of dismounting, and in comparison to his secretary, Messer Bari was immensely tall. His hair was long, resting on his shoulders. He had a large aquiline nose, and he wore, with an air of distinction, a magnificent gown of crimson brocade turned back to show a rich fur lining. Master Thomas Fetterlock stepped out to meet him. Nicholas had not realized that his father had arrived. He finished his toilet quickly and crept downstairs. But careful as he was, once more his mother heard him. She called him into the hall. He took in two things at a glance. The first was that the hall had been cleaned out. The stone hearth was clear and empty, and there were new rushes on the floor springing to the tread. The second was that the supper was laid in the hall instead of the dining parlour. A white damask cloth covered the long refectory table, and every piece of silver and glass that the household could muster was laid out. In the centre was a great salt made in the shape of a galley of wrought silver. It was clear that these guests were important ones. Even before his mother opened her mouth, Nicholas knew just what she was going to say. He was to carve. This was all an old grievance. If his mother had got her way, he would have been sent for his education to the house of a nobleman to serve as a page and learn the ways of polite society. But Nicholas was to be a merchant, his father said. Not to be denied, his mother had herself educated him in what she called civilized ways. She taught him to carve, to wait at table, to sing, to fetch and carry, all the things he would have learned as a page. Of course, she was saying now, you will carve the meats. There are two fat ducks and a couple of capons, a boar's head, venison pasty, and the usual roasts. Hold the birds firmly by the legs, as I have shown you, and be careful. Yes, madam said Nicholas meekly. To change the subject, he inquired where his father was. In the garden with his guests, Mistress Fetterlock replied. You had better go out and be presented before supper, but mind that you are ready for your duties when I call you. In the garden, at the back of the house, the fallen apple blossom lay like pink snow on the tops of clipped box hedges. The three men were pacing up and down, Master Fetterlock and the secretary deep in discussion, while Messer Antonio Bari listened with a faint air of amusement. Nicholas waited for them to turn. He considered whether he must kneel and ask his father's blessing. It was usual when his father had been away, and yet he was loath to drop on his knees before that ill-favoured little foreigner. While he hesitated, his father looked round. His tired face brightened, and without waiting for any greeting, he laid an arm across the boy's shoulder and drew him to his side. This is my son, he said simply. 
and Nicholas, warming at the note of pride in his father's voice, made a deep obeisance to his father's guests. The tall Lombard smiled, but the secretary looked Nicholas up and down with the same offensive stare as before. I met your young mastership on the field, he said. I should not have known you. Your air is vastly different. Nicholas turned crimson. Did the blockhead expect him to sup in a herdsman's tunic, or to tend sheep in a good gown? But he stifled his wrath, and inquired politely if their worships had safely found their way to Westwell. Immediately there was some confusion. The secretary said something about missing their road to Burford, and Master Antonio tapped Nicholas lightly on the shoulder. Can you name me some of these flowers, young sir? They grow also in Italian gardens, but I do not know their English names. He leaned towards Nicholas confidentially. They are talking money, he whispered. For myself, I detest figures.